Hello and welcome back to Flash Knockdown. It's season four, episode number eight. Jamie Ward here alongside producer Scott Hamilton. As always, we're in Brentwood, Essex this week, back at Matchroom HQ. And here's what's coming up for you all on today's show. The Thrill, Jordan Gill, has a message for young fighters on how to deal with defeat and bounce back stronger. Two-division world champion turned stellar actress. Kaylee Reese joins us to talk her role in the HBO and Sky Atlantic hit series, True Detective. Campbell Hatton takes on our coach trip quiz to see exactly how well he knows Uncle Matthew. He also talks March 23rd's first title fight in Sheffield. And Brandon Scott is as lively as ever to review the best things to happen in boxing last week. What a show. Don't go anywhere. Well, coming up this week on our Dealing With Defeat section of the podcast is someone who is probably getting absolutely sick to death of the sight and the the sound of my voice. It's Mr. Jordan Gill. Jordan, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm very well. So I was up I was up last week in Chatteris with yourself and your dad. We had, we had a good day, didn't we? And then I was down the gym as well this week. So thanks very much for, for coming on this today. Like I said, you must be uh, pretty bored of listening to, to my voice at this point. Nah, we love you, Jamie. You're uh, you're one of us, mate. Absolutely. Let's just uh, let's just talk about a few things on this podcast, Jordan, because I think it's important in the sport that I think one of the most common gripes is the best don't fight the best. That's what I always say, often enough. So I think sometimes you know people fighters are scared of defeat. Do you think that's true? Do you think that's part of the reason why we don't? I know obviously there's other factors to do with broadcasters and money, but do you think there is a bit of an element of that fear factor, the fear of losing, losing your unbeaten record? And that's perhaps why we don't see big fights made all the time. Um, I think so. I think there's been so much focus on uh, an unbeaten record because it it helps the promoters build the fighters. It helps them create that sort of invincibility about them because uh, Mayweather come along and he had, 50 or 51 fights unbeaten and the O was the the biggest thing in boxing you know it's the most important thing and I think it's frustrating because these guys aren't taking these fights that they should be taking just to make just in case they do lose their O and the, the reason is not because they don't want to fight the best it's not because they're scared of losing it's because they're scared of how they're going to be brought back um, I think the promoters need to do a better job of bringing, like, if you're making a 50-50 fight against two top-quality fighters, then whoever w- wins can go on to bigger and better things. Whoever loses should still be in big fights. And I think if the way the UFC is run, you know, you see that a lot more. And uh, the, the best fight the best because, you know, they're all into or they just make the fights they want to fight, um, just like the boxers. But they, there's not that uh, element of being scared about uh, how how are you going to be brought back? Is that something that that you went through? If you take yourself back, Jordan, to the first defeat of, of your career, because I know there was a lot of things weren't going on behind the scenes, weren't they? When you when you had that fight, but what do you remember feeling at, at the time, and what was going through your mind about perhaps where you were going to end up and the next steps for you at Matchroom at that stage? Yeah, obviously, you're just absolutely gutted when you when you get beat. You're absolutely gutted. Um, everything you've worked towards for years and years, you know, feels like it's disappeared in front of your eyes and it's the most frustrating thing in the world because you know how hard it's get how hard it is to get to that level and to take a defeat and know that you can have to rebuild you know it's just really time consuming and really frustrating so i think uh, when i lost to tonoko that first fight um, that i lost it was oh, what we're going to do and um, how do we come back are they going to bring me back um luckily enough that time um, eddie put me on in a six rounder in italy um, and then COVID struck and, and I had the blotty fight. So, yeah, it was um, I, it worked out for me that time. But when I when I boxed Kiko Martinez, um, it was like there was no other fights for me left. And, and I don't think any, any promoters were interested in, in bringing me back. How did the, the feelings for you compare then, Jordan, after the Kiko Martinez fight in comparison to, to that first one with Tanoko in 2019? The feelings were very different because... With Tanoko, I know exactly why I lost. I lost because, you know, I shouldn't have been in the ring that night. I was ill. I was too immature not to pull myself out. Didn't want to let anyone down. Uh, Learned my lesson that time. Obviously, I made the mistakes in the fight that lost me the fight. But um, 
there was other things going on as well with with Kiko. Um, you know, I've been making that weight for a long time. I wasn't strong enough at the weight anymore, and that's something you only learn the hard way. I learned that in that in that fight, um, and and that was you know a big big fight for me. It was a big name. He was two time world champion. Um, yeah, I thought if I'd have won that, I would have gone on to a final eliminator and, and hopefully got a world title shot. But you know, sometimes you have to take a step back and think. You know, everything happens for a reason. Um, if I if I'd have beat Kiko, then I probably wouldn't have moved up in weight. Uh, I would have carried on struggling and being miserable and you know affecting my body in a negative way. And um, you know, I wouldn't have moved up and gone on a port common and and looked as good as I did. And when you think about the, the aftermath of that Kiko fight, Jordan, as well, we, we spoke about it, didn't we, last week when we were up in Chatteris with you. Obviously, everyone saw the interview, the brilliant interview you gave after you beat Michael Conlon in Belfast at the end of last year. But w- was that an impact as well on your mental health away from boxing that perhaps you didn't necessarily see a route back and maybe no one had been in touch about a potential route back for yourself after that Kiko fight? Not only did everything go wrong for me in the ring with the, with the Kiko fight, you know, everything after in the aftermath that followed, you know, I was in a sort of self-destructive mode and everything outside of the ring. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a great time. It was the case where, you know, I'd, I'd left Dave Caldwell, I'd left my coach, I didn't have a manager, I didn't have a gym, I wasn't really training, I left my wife, I'd left, you know, I didn't have no uh, investments, didn't have nothing going on, no fights were presenting themselves, um, and, and nobody was interested. So, yeah, that was that was a frustrating time, and um, but we've we've managed to turn it around. How much, you know, when you got the call to fight Michael Conlon, then how much did that help to bring you bring you out of the darkness and, and into the light again, where you are now? Oh, massively, uh, massively, give me something to focus on because. Uh, as far as we just want dates, we want things to focus on, we want challenges in front of us. And, you know, Michael Conlon was a massive challenge, especially after the year that I had. I'd not boxed for 14 months by the time I got in the ring. Um, I'd been, you know, abused my body in certain ways, you know, that year. I'd not really been in the gym as much as I should have been. Uh, my personal life was, you know, up and down like a yo-yo. So, um, for me, when they announced the fight eight weeks ago, it was like, okay, now I've got to start training properly <laughs> and, and living right. So, um, I managed to do it and eight weeks is all it took to, to conquer Michael Conlon. You know, because of what you've been through, Jordan, away from the boxing ring, does any challenge now in the ring fail in, in, in comparison to the two? Is there comparisons between the two? Obviously, everything's different, but you know, boxing is the, the toughest sport in the world, and and you know, physically it's very tough. But I think mentally, what I've gone through in life, um, all the way through my life, like nothing's ever been easy. It's always been it's always been tough. But I think you know, your experiences mould the way you are as a person, and period in time only made me tougher. And anything that I come across in the ring now, it it doesn't faze me. I don't get nervous for these fights because this is nothing to me now because. I've overcome, you know, great hurdles. Maybe not harder physically, but great hurdles. Is that part of the reason as well? Because I remember in Belfast, a lot of people were looking at Michael Conlon with his new training team out in the States, and this was his rebuild back to a world title shot. And you won't mind me saying this, Jordan, because we, we've, we've had talked about this after the fight, that many had thought that you'd been chosen to go to Belfast to make up the numbers. Against Michael, I Conlon. was, wasn't I? I was, but that's and, that's that's what the, the story of the fight was. Hundred percent, yeah, it was, and and it was just laughable. And and all week, you can you can tell the viewers how relaxed I was. I was, I, was, I had a great week because you know I don't I didn't care about the fight. I didn't care about obviously I wanted to win, but I didn't care. I didn't care for Michael Conlon. I don't care about the pressure. I don't care about anything anymore. I just want to fight and and have fun, and and that's what I did. How, like you said there, I remember that that was the overriding thing for me is talking to you in fight week, how relaxed you were. You had, a, you had a massive smile on your face. And it almost, I remember thinking at the time, I wasn't sure if you knew maybe that this was going to be your last fight or may, or you were just supremely confident. Obviously, turned out to be the latter, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Um, I was confident. Obviously, I did everything right in camp. Everything went well. Yeah, I trained hard for it and I knew what I had to do. And, you know, I followed, I followed the instructions quite well. We got the job done. And when you think about what's happened since then, now you have this fight, another headline act. How strong is the self-belief now? If it was strong before when you boxed Michael coming off a difficult period, what's going through your mind now heading into this this fight with Zelfa Barrett, Jordan? Yeah, I'm very confident. Um, I feel happy to be involved in another big fight. 
you know, I know he's going to be up for it. I know that he poses a massive challenge to me, but I know that the rewards for the winner is is massive. So, you know, he's going to want to try and take my head off and I'll, I'm going to try and take his off. So it's going to be one hell of a fight and I'm prepared to, to go to the trenches once again. You know me, I've, I've, I've never shied away from it. I've never shied away from a challenge. If I can box and, and move and win on points, then I will. But if I have to slug it out, then I'll, I'll win by any means possible. Um, until I can't go anymore, you can't keep me down. So um, it's gonna, it's got all the makings of, of a classic, I think. And then who knows what's next? World title short next? I hope so. I hope so. That's what Eddie said. He said uh, one more high-profile fight after the Conor fight and we'll get your world title shot. So let's see. Let's see whether he delivers. Well, Jordan, we can't wait. We can't wait for that fight on April 13th. You're, you're such a great bloke. And I'll say that with, with all my heart, because you are, because I, I love you dearly. So thanks so much for coming on. I do just want to ask you a quick question about Mr. Anthony Joshua, obviously being in the gym with you guys now. This is second fight with Ben and the guys down in Harlow. How's he been looking? Because that fight is not far away now. We're off to Saudi next week. It's not far away at all. We've got a week left to go. Um I think he's looking absolutely fantastic. I think um, he's he's firing on all cylinders. He seems to have a great relationship and and really understand the uh, the work ethic and and approach that Ben Davidson, Lee Wiley, Barry Smith take in the gym in in Harlow, and um, it's paying off for him. I thought you saw an improved version of him against Otto Wallin, and I think he's he's come on leaps and bounds since since that fight, and he's going to show it against Ngannou. I think. You know, it's not a gimme. It's a, it's a tough fight. He, he's got a great chin. He's got great power. And um, Anthony Joshua's going to have to be cautious. But I think at the same time, Joshua's got the experience. He, he's a true professional. He lives the life. And I think he'll break down Ngannou and stop him any time after six rounds. Well, we can't wait. Just a final one, Jordan, as I always round off this section of the podcast. In the same way, if there are any fighters out there at any level, amateur pro who are listening, who have just perhaps gone through a setback, their first defeat in a boxing ring, what would be your message to them when it comes to, I I suppose, looking at a defeat, learning from it and, and never giving up? Well, I'd say that's life. Yeah, it's brutal and it's going to come at you fast and it's horrible. You can sit there and cry and mope around and feel sorry for yourself, but the only person that can change it is you. So you have to get off your ass, make, understand what went wrong, assess everything, all the details, make sure you know what you did wrong and what you can improve on to make it right and put it into practice and don't stop working until you get it right. Well, Jordan Gill, the thrill, a poet as well. Brilliant words that was. Thanks so much for coming on. Don't forget, live on the zone, April 13th, Jordan Gill versus Zelfa Barrett from the AO Arena in Manchester. Thanks for coming on, pal. Thanks for your time. No worries. Cheers, mate. Top man. This is primarily a boxing podcast, but not only are we joined by a two-division world champion, but in addition, a flourishing actress in her own right, someone who I've had the pleasure of catching up with a few times before she got this big break, which we are going to come on to talk about. So very proud of her as well. But the star of True Detective, Night Country, of course, season four out on HBO, Sky Atlantic in the UK. More importantly, a friend of ours and a friend of Matrim, as I just said there, Kaylee Reese. Uh, Kaylee with your dog, Quincy Bones. Quincy Bones or Quincy Jones? Quincy Bones? Quincy Bones. You know, I didn't want to do this whole Quincy Jones thing, but, uh, you know, <laughs> it's Quincy, a play uh, on words. Um, Kaylee, Thank thanks so much for coming on. Uh, my first question is, is an obvious one. Now you're a bit of a Hollywood A-lister. How, how's life? Life is the same. I mean, it's pretty much, except it's completely different. Um, As far as you guys know me, I don't change. You know what I mean? I will never change. Um, just evolve and get, you know, show up, may show up a little bit different. I just got to show up different in different spaces. I was a bit naive at first thinking, nobody knows who Kaylee is. Like, nobody knows who I am. I can just go anywhere and just be like normal life. I, I remember talking to you. You came on this podcast. I'm not sure if you remember. I think we we played a quiz or something uh, oh, in, yeah. in Leeds. I think it was in Leeds. And we were with Brian as well. And we talked about your plans in boxing and what you wanted to do. And, and you were talking about the dreams you had at that stage because you'd been in various various shows and, and a part of various TV series. But you talked about manifesting big things. And I remember talking to you when I first met you about your, your native name as well, McKinnonog. I really hope I've pronounced that nearly right, which translates to many feathers, many talents. And I mean, what a way to summarize 
Kaylee Reese, like I say, world champion boxer. And now you get this gig in, in True Detective. But how proud are you of yourself? Because you, you've stuck with this. I know you're very humble. You say you're never going to change. And I know that. But how proud are you of yourself that you've managed to, to get this opportunity through your own hard work and not only do that, but do a terrific job as well, by the way. I honestly can say I'm super proud of you know, this would happen four or five years ago. I'm very proud of myself, especially from, you know, the life I've had. I've been blessed with life. You know, I've had ups and downs like everybody else, but I persevered. I just have a no quit attitude, as you guys very well know. And I stuck with it. And when I hit a wall, I just took a left or a right to see what else I could do. And, um, it's definitely manifested into like, it looks like overnight success as far as this acting, but it's funny because I feel like I've been training for bigger things my entire life, my entire boxing career. So I'm super proud of myself. I mean, and to be able to have somebody like my husband, Brian, to see something in me when he did that I didn't see in myself in my boxing career and kind of just trying to change the trajectory. And then the director, writer of the first movie, I did see something in me I didn't even know I had. And then believe in, their belief in me, like, which just sounds weird. It's kind of like, it's a, a testament of you may just need that one person or that one circumstance or one thing. There's just somebody to see something you don't know yet. You're like, all right, I don't know what this, they see, but all right, I trust that. Okay. Let's, let's go out with it. So I'm proud of myself for even doing that for saying, okay, for trusting these people. I don't trust a lot of people. I trust my husband with my life, my everything It's my best friend. And, you know, I, it took a lot for me to get where I'm at. I'm very, very proud of where I, I got so far. And I'm excited to see how, how far I can go because I just won't stop. And when you got the opportunity and, and you first heard about this opportunity with True Detective, I know sometimes in life you can find yourself and you get this opportunity and then you're just convinced to do whatever it takes to get that job or that that role like in this case what did you do to yourself every day after you had that first glimpse of it maybe a first audition how determined were you to make sure this was something you secured you know <clears throat> it sounds so cliche once I you know I had the meeting with Issa and I didn't even know it was for season four true detective because she just was had this project and she was her uh casting director Francine Maisler showed a movie, they had a meeting with me, I found out it was for True Detective. Inside, look at the story and the character. I did the audition and I just love movies, I love TV. So I'm very familiar with it. And then to be having this opportunity to audition for this um, after only having a indie movie and a smaller part in a, in a feature film. It seemed, it's so weird. It seemed impossible, but it wasn't impossible. Nothing's impossible. So I didn't, hone in on it and focus and say, this is how it's going to happen. I'm going to get the call. I really just did the best I could with the audition. And I literally was like, all right, man, listen, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I can't worry about it because it's going to drive me insane. Like it's going to drive me completely crazy. And to try to control your blessings, I guess, as cliche as that sound, or control what's supposed to be in your life, whether you believe in blessings or not, is like insanity like you want something how it's going to happen when it's going to happen is really none of your business you know what I mean so what I did do is write it down in my journal like I really wanted it but like a part of me was like dude like this is impossible like who even knows who you are at acting like you're a boxer going to acting you got to pay your dues like like I didn't you got to pay dues you got to grind you got to start from it and then you'll eventually get this but it's not impossible so if it's meant for me cool and I just let it go. I literally was like, whatever, I'll let it go. And then, and then it happened. <laughs> what do you remember about when you got, how, how did it happen? Did you get the call? Did you get a phone call to, to say that you'd been, you'd been chosen? I got a phone call. So I got nominated for uh, best actress for the first movie I did uh, India, for the spirit indie awards. And I had to go to the ceremony in Santa Monica. It was around March and they had been auditioning for true detective. I had already thrown my, my audition in my videotape. But the director and casting director, uh, especially Francine Maisler, she was just like, you know, if you're going to be in, in California, do you want to do an, uh, like kind of like a callback thing? Because funny, they were like, you know, True Detective is usually two big stars and this and that's a huge entity. And we want to, we're thinking about Kaylee Reese for the, they're like, Kaylee who? HBO's like, Kaylee who? Like, if we're talking like HBO show part. Like, I've been on HBO sports, but there's there's no HBO sports fights no more. So they're like, Kaylee so she was like, well, let's just, 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 just bear with me kind of a thing. Showed her a picture of me. And then that led them to go, oh, okay, I see your vision. That's when it led them to say, all right, you know, they, they want to work with me and show HBO what I was capable of. Minus like my probably terrible self-tape audition. Um, So I did that out in March. I worked with them 
for a bit and just it was like a callback tape and then they sent that to them and then I again I waited until I got a call before I got the call I saw that they were considering casting Jodie Foster as the lead they were like pretty much like 99% sure like they were just waiting for the okay from from Jodie I was like shit if this happens <laughs> like this is gonna be crazy Jodie Foster like holy god a call from Issa Lopez the director she was like hello Kelly this is Issa uh it is you you are navarro it's always been you congratulations and i'm sorry i'm like what do you mean you're sorry she's like congratulations it's always been you it's great and this is going to be one of the hardest things you've ever done in your life it's gonna suck i was here actually in the house i was like brian was out the gym or something and i was like on the deck and i was like oh my god i started screaming and holy fuck <laughs> like what does this mean so i just started getting right to work on what does this mean because i don't have any proper like training and the people train their whole entire acting careers for an opportunity like this i'm like they got thrown in my lap i better not fuck this up uh okay let's get to i was terrified but i was excited um and we had rehearsals beforehand like table reads rehearsals and i had met her but like actually being like first of all the first day walking on set and realizing how big of a like machine this whole production is like you know I come from an indie movie and then I was like oh wow this is this is serious and the first scene we had to do was like when we had I think it was when um Navarro and Danvers first see the the corpsicle on the ice and then she's showing her the picture of Annie's tattoo that was like the first one and that's like I get to you know step to Jodie Foster and tell her that she ain't shit basically so but it was awesome because what what we were able to create in rehearsals and talk about what we wanted, what kind of story we wanted to tell from each of our characters and the the, the story we wanted to tell for each other. It was absolutely fun. And, you know, when the cameras ain't rolling, we're laughing, we're joking. It's not like, you know, this is Kaylee and Jody have beef. This is Navarro and Davis have beef. So it was absolutely, it was so fun. And after the first couple of takes, you know, getting their swing of things, now I got like the nerves. But they were more like, you know, before the first bell rings, it was like, yo, I know this is going to be great. Like, this is going to be awesome. So, I mean, she made it an even more supportive great experience just how she is as a as a person as a human and then as an artist and as a you know she has a directorial eye an artist eye and she's just so open to collaborate it wasn't like i'm jodie foster and you're the newcomer and everybody's just gonna follow my lead it's like dude how can we how can we tell the, the best story in the scene right now so it was just really cool when you think about i know boxers can always be their own harshest critics at times and they'll watch fights back and pick holes in their performance how has it compared with watching True Detective back? Has there been similarities? Have you been harsher on yourself watching True Detective back? Oh, the you know, me, I am the hugest, biggest Virgo critic you have, self-critic you have. Um, So it took me a few times to watch it for me to appreciate the story because this is just a big thing, you know. It, it, that started with the first movie. Like, I, I'm like, I watch it like, oh, God. Just like I watch my fights, like, I'm, I know I'm going to rip myself apart. But it's just because I want to get better. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, I'm terrible. Nobody's going to like me. Oh, they're going to hate it. It's just like... I don't care if anybody, nobody liked the story or the movie or the TV or whatever I'm doing. It's like, okay, I picked this character. I got chosen to be this character for a reason. I got chosen to be in this fight for a reason. Let me do the best I can with what I got, with these tools I got, and then learn from it. So it took me, you know, I saw rough cuts of it, and I was just like, I wanted to see how Navarro was portrayed on screen. Like, clearly it's me, and my family's having a tough time separating the two sometimes. You know, this is a, a, a specific character. So it took me a few times to watch it to appreciate the story of it. Um, but the first time I was like, oh, I was pleasantly surprised, actually. I was like, but I, you know, I saw the holes, of course, because I'm a perfectionist. But and I'm like, all right, you know, make better choices. Now I know what they mean when they say your face looks like this or the camera sees everything. Like it was really clear. It was a, it was a lesson to me. I learned a lot watching myself and then I was able to appreciate it. But I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, oh, shit, I actually didn't do bad. And destroyed this whole story. You did good. You did good. I'm actually only three episodes in, so no spoilers here. Oh, no, no. I ain't going to say nothing. Um, and in terms of, obviously, your boxing journey, you, you, you've did brilliant in boxing. Like I say, two-division world champion. Is that it now? Could you ever come back to fight? Is this now 100% the focus in, in the acting world? What do you see as, as the steps? Well, when I first started boxing, I never, I didn't want to overstay my welcome. I wanted to achieve every, everything I could within a, a, a period of time that made sense for my body and my mind and, you know, get in, get, get a legacy, get some, some, get a payday or get some money and get out. Did I ever plan I'd be a six time two division world champion? And where, did I see the trajectory of, of women's boxing being just merged into just boxing and how it is? No. And I'm so excited about it. You know, I, I think I've joked with you before calling myself the J. Cole of women's boxing. Like you may not hear something from me for a long time, but I'll come up off the couch with a hot 16 real quick. You know what I'm saying? So 
I am not officially retired yet, but do I need to fight? I don't need to fight. And that feels great. You know what I mean? I don't need to fight for financial reasons. I don't need to fight for respect. I don't need to fight to prove to the boxing world that I am a world champion. I can fight the level at multiple weight classes. But, you know, fighters don't know when to quit. So I haven't retired yet. I won't, me and, you know, my husband and I won't, I'm not going to force my, my force a fight. Do I want my belts back? Yes. Has there been some recent chitter chatter from people's stupid ex promoters? Absolutely. For, for some fights, but I do want to fight again. I would love another fight. Um, do I want to stay in the game five, six more years? Absolutely not. Yeah, no, I'm good. I see all these young Thundercats coming up. They ain't beat my ass though. Um, <laughs> hell no. But um, I also, I, I, my last two fights were, I'm not satisfied. Put it that way. I'm doing a lot of things. I'm like, on paper, like, dude, why would I even go back? Like, it's stupid. I could just go on a mic and talk shit on commentating or just, you know, help Brian with management or keep continue training the fighters together, which I will continue to do. But what the hell? Why does she want to go back? You know, after I came, every told everybody why, in fact, we didn't get the undisputed fight between myself and Cameron because of the health issues. I wasn't satisfied. So I actually needed that break. Um, my body needed that break and we need that break to kind of figure out what's going on health wise. So do I feel better? Yes. But it's again, like I told y'all, it's one of those things that I may feel better now, but I don't know. So we're if we can check those boxes, if every box is checked health wise, it makes sense. Timing fight, fight wise. And it happens organically. Absolutely. I'm that you're going to see me in there again. And it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when it might be this year. It might be a couple of years. I mean, look, Michaela Loren just fought again. I was like, wait, what? She just fought, like, she's she been out for over four years. I'm like, well, shit, if she can get a little TKO, you know what I mean? Why not? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I, I still got more in the tank. Um, I had the opportunity to do things a different way that I had had the opportunity to do in a training camp before. Like, even my last couple of uh, fights, we had good training camps, but <clears throat> there were still other factors. I had just gotten recently engaged. Uh, we were training at Ebony Bridges. There were, I just moved to Philly. There was a lot of other things that I did, a lot of little things that may seem, but a lot of, they can be out the way and we can have a real serious camp and really hone in on, on what I need for my health. So with those factors, yeah, you, you're going to see me again in there. Um, who, when, I don't know where, but uh, Cecilia Breakers can get the beats. I could say that. <laughs> she can get the beats again. That would be a big fight. That would be big. I mean, any fight you come back to now, like I say, now you're an A-lister. I mean, any fight you're coming back to now, right, it's going to be big. What, what did you make of Pacey Taylor and Chantel Cameron, both of their fights last year? Yo, man, I was like, yo, they want to kill each other. Because, you know, I don't know uh, Cameron in the ring yet. But I can see, like, inside, but I see outside, like, she gives no fuck. She comes in fiercely, and that's why I want to fight her. I wanted to fight her. That's why I was excited to find the Undisputed. And then knowing Katie for so long and seeing her journey and being her sparring partner and just seeing, that was, I was like, holy shit. I would love to see it for the third time. I mean, does it make sense for them? I, I mean, on paper, again, one one, absolutely. We want to see who the true champion is. And then I want to fight the winner. Um, <laughs> but uh, I thought that was that was great. I mean, you have... Two great backstories. I respect the hell out of both of them. Cameron deserved that that chance. Absolutely. She wanted to get her get back from the amateurs. I thought it was a great fight. Both of them. I thought they did amazing. They didn't, they left nothing, nothing. They left it all in the ring. And that's what you want to see as a boxer who loves boxing and a boxing fan too. Hey, I wish I could sit and talk to you all day because this is only a packaged radio show. It's only about an hour long. So I th my producer's already looking at me going, oh, you need, you're going over time. You're going over time. But I don't care. I want to talk to you as long as I like. I do have one question I want to ask you. So Brian Cohen, who's of course your partner, he's also been your trainer. He looks after a lot of fighters as well. Big, for people who don't know Brian, big, tough guy, doesn't take any nonsense, right? But do you know what he told me on the phone? When I, when I asked him if we could do this chat, he said, I said, you must be so proud of Kaylee. And he was like, brother, I won't do the impression. But he was just like, brother, I can't get through one episode without getting emotional and getting upset. Big, tough Brian. So it's safe to say he's very proud of you anyway. Oh, I know he's he's been my rock. Like I said, people like What's your husband, like people expect. I don't know what people expect with us too, but I'm like, dude, we've been like this. We just have a better, deeper bond now, now that we're like together and we're partners. And that's my husband and I'm his wife. And he's very, very, very proud of me. He's been my rock. It's been a change for him, too. I'm very proud of him. Like this is not this doesn't happen to me. Like this happened to myself, my family my stepdaughter, my mother, my, but it, it starts here in this house. So if this house and then we're not good, I'm so proud of him and I'm thankful for him for believing in me as corny as that sounds. And just 
you know, checking me when I need to be checked as far as like when I start going like, I don't know, I don't know. He's like, man, you better cut that shit out, man. You 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 can do this. And that's he's in my corner every every single fucking time. And I absolutely love it. So oh, said it was proud of me. He better. Daily listening. Uh, I'm proud of you as well. Everyone on Matrim is very proud of you, not only for your achievements in the ring, but for you, you set yourself this goal. You've gone on to achieve it. And like I say, you're amazing in True Detective. I challenge everyone to go and watch season four of True Detective Night Country. You will not be disappointed. Watch Kaylee Reese completely overshadow Jodie Foster, by the way. You're the star uh, of the show. You're the star yeah. of the show, 100%. Uh, it's only because I'm taller. It's only because I'm taller than her. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but Kaylee, thanks so much for your time. I wish we could have spoke for longer, but no doubt, I'm sure we'll see you at a fight week very soon. What's well, got after a, a roller coaster week last week? It's been good to be back in, in Matchroom HQ getting ready for an even bigger of a roller coaster week, I think it's safe to say, next week, of course, in Saudi. But just touching on last week, a brilliant way to open up the, the Josh Taylor-Jack Catchall build-up for that rematch. And I think when you look at how the tickets have sold, sold out already, that shows you how strong that appetite is. Definitely. And I think we've seen with the press tour element before, it just captures, I think, the fans' imagination where you've got these guys with each other, you know, a couple of days running, short space of time, but on top of each other. It kind of just sparks and brings the best out of the, the promotion. So, yeah, it was good fun, like you say. It was good fun in Edinburgh. Um, I enjoyed that a lot. And to be fair, considering it was at 1pm... Yeah, it was during the day, wasn't one? it? Josh felt he got stitched up, but yeah, I'm sure, could assure him that wasn't the case. I that think was, it was just logistically yeah, to, to de-rig everything and get it back down to, to Manchester and then set up in time. It just wouldn't have quite worked, but the atmosphere was brilliant. And the thing I liked about it is I remember watching them as a fan, you know, the old press conferences with... You know, David Hay and Tony Bellew, and you used to look in the room and you think, oh, that looks unbelievable, even in the room, like for a press conference. And it, it, you did get that feel. And I thought everyone played their part. Sam Jones was brilliant. Tom Grant put him in his place, didn't he, a couple of times. Um, but they, they gave each other as, as good as they got, which I thought was brilliant. And, and the two fighters, like you say, it was almost for both of the press tours, attack on site. I said that when I was talking to Steve. Literally. Bunch. Literally. Um, yeah, there just doesn't seem to be any. No giving up. No. Any. Real respect there between these two. I was a little bit disappointed that they shook hands on TalkSport, I must admit. Yeah, you know what? I've purposely swerved that. I, yeah. was, uh, I was tied up on a conference call when that was going on live and since I've managed <laughs> to just, just try and forget about it. But, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, in a weird sort of way, with everything gone on, there probably is a little bit of respect. Yeah, maybe, maybe not that so. much. But I think deep, 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 deep down. But neither, neither of them are going to admit that in the build-up to this fight. Because Absolutely not. Neither of them can fathom the thought of losing. And what's the latest with you uh, going out into training camp? The yeah, boys? so I'm fortunate enough to be able to go and spend quite a bit of time with the fighters. Even this week, I've been up um, with Jordan Gill in, in Chatteris, doing some good stuff with him back home with his dad, Paul, and in the gym with Ben Davison as well, up north with Jack Catchell, more so Cameron Vong as well yesterday. But I'm going to be heading to Tenerife. I think they're going over there for a week. Uh, after AJ, the week after Joshua. So I'm going to be going over there for a few days with a camera crew and up to Liverpool to film with Mr. Taylor as well. So some good documentaries coming your way. Mr. Taylor? Say. Sounds like a like Mr. A, Taylor. a substitute teacher or something. <laughs> it does. <laughs> what subject will he teach? I reckon like geography or something like that. Yeah. Is that the thing these days, geography? Yeah. I, I was going to say geography. <laughs> anyway, I don't know where we're going with that one. I was painting it in my head then. Yeah. yeah, I don't know where we're going with that one. But um, yeah, so it's always brilliant to, to go over, especially to them Tenerife training camps. So we've got lots of great content in the build-up to, to that great fight coming soon. Obviously, we filmed the the face-off, the sit-down, the gloves are off, whatever you want to call it. We've had Ayola Depot as well, which was brilliant. So that will be coming very, very soon, as will the Make the Days Count build-up documentary. All roads lead to April 27th, live on the zone from Leeds. Cannot wait for that one. And we also, Eddie, I think, finished up the press conference and then flew straight to Orlando for the return of Edgar Belanga. Many people in, in the scene were picking... Poddy McCrory, he was a great bloke, by the way, and he, he's done brilliantly on his journey. You know, he's been faced with a lot of hardship in life, Poddy. He's done brilliantly on his journey to, to get to that point. It was a massive moment for him to headline in America. But many people picked him to cause a bit of an upset over there. But it was a good performance, a good statement win, I think, from, from Edgar Blanca that he needed. Yeah, I think with Canelo Carrot being dangled in front of uh, Edgar in the days and weeks leading up to it, I think you kind of almost need a statement, like you say, to almost get Canelo's attention. If he would have laboured to a 10 or 12 round decision, probably wouldn't be doing that much. But yeah, it was um, it was devastating. Ultimately, you know, there is levels to it. And I think Edgar has shown... He's right in the frame now. I mean, when you look at the options for Canelo, I mean, it's difficult to say, isn't it? Who you'd want him to fight? I'd love him to fight Benavidez. I think that's the fight I would love to see. But 
also, you know, everyone's queuing up, but, you know, on the outside of that, in terms of what Matram could potentially look at, the likes of Jaime Munguia with Golden Boy as well and, and, and Edgar Belanga, that'd be two great fights for him. Yeah, back, you can do that back to back, you'd yeah. like to think. So, look, we've obviously seen the, the news. I, I don't have any information privy, not that I would say on here, but um, I'm, I'm not in the know on this whatsoever. So, like all you guys listening, waited with uh, bated breath and look forward to seeing that unfold. And also on that card, Andy Cruz. Oh. What a win that was. Oh, I mean, Andy Cruz, mate. He's such a good fighter. He's sort of Special. Just, he's just got everything, isn't he? He's got the, the razzmatazz. Yeah. He's got the aura about him, the confidence, yeah. the looks, he's the moves. Funny. He's funny. He's and got he's, a bit of sense of humour. Yeah. Imagine, I, I saw a few comments. Like it's almost, it's, You've almost seen it with Usyk at times, where I think part of the reason why Usyk is so... Adored. Adored is maybe the, the language barrier. barrier. Agree. But I think with Andy Cruz, there's elements of that. But I think if he can learn English and become fluent enough in, in English to communicate, I think you're looking at a global superstar in the making there. Yeah, I suppose the difference slightly on the two you just mentioned then, Usyk does know English and you know, he, he plays along. He shields that very like well. Canelo, yeah. Yeah, he shields that very well where, you know, Andy genuinely can't speak English at the minute. But I do believe there are plans for him to, to do so. So we'll see how that unfolds. And I suppose if you want to cross over into the mainstream, ultimately he would need to be able to speak English. So yeah, interesting. And a great singer too. Well, like, just does everything. He, he can do everything. Just does, literally does everything. He can literally do good, everything. Good with a football as well, I'm told as well. Really? Apparently. Big Real Madrid fan, isn't he? Apparently he can play a bit. But so. that was um, that was a great win. Dominated Zamoripa, a fighter who we've seen give the likes of Angel Fierro a good fight. Yeah, we rocked he him, didn't he? Him, didn't he? he did. Yeah, yeah, he at some him. point. So, I th- I'll be honest, I think he's ready. He's throw him re- in. I, th- I, th- well, I don't even think it's a throw him in. I think it's... Uh, who wants? Like, I think the, the world champions will be like, oh my lord! I think one of the um, credible Mexican journalists actually said that the Fierro fight might be next. Yes, yeah, good fight. So I'm sure they want to keep the momentum going yeah. and fight this side of summer. Hundred percent. And we are heading stateside as well. We're not actually going to be on the ground, are we? With with Ray Ford. Well, who, I hope not because it's tomorrow. <laughs> oh, well, that's a good point. Yeah. So maybe might, might make that one in time. But there is people who are who are going over from the matchroom team. Eddie's going as well. We've got isn't a he? mob. We've got a full mob down there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's because. Ray Ford, as far as I'm aware, will be the first talent who turned over from the amateurs, turned professional with Matram from the States, who might become world champion. That is spot on. Yeah, almost uh, five years to the day, I believe, yep. since he signed. So, yeah, massive opportunity for Ray. Obviously, um, Kolmatov was mandatory for Lee Wood, who vacated the belt and moved up in weight, which has freed up the shot for Ray, who was next in line. So, really interesting fight. We had Kolmatov in one of our fights in uh, in the States recently and I got in a lift with him and I thought, fuck, he's really big. But actually, in the face-off yesterday, it wasn't that much of a mm-hmm. disparity. So, massive opportunity for Ray. You've got to take it. You know, some people were saying, oh, just just, just avoid him. But I think when a world title's on the line, you've got to go for it. You have to. Definitely. I think you got to, if, if you don't and you've never had the opportunity to box for a world title, I think you've got to start questioning why you're in the sport. Yeah, yeah. You know, when these opportunities present themselves, this is what fighters dream this of. This is it. This is and it. I think, you know, if you can win this fight, you become world champion, then the, the chips are in your hand. And then you can start demanding the what shots. you like and yeah. calling the shots, really. So a huge, huge opportunity. And they, they fancy Ford. it. They really fancy yeah, it. Yeah, he does, yeah. He's going in as the underdog. But, you know, Ray Ford, on his day, Ray Ford's a handful. He has maybe got, a, you know, a, a gaff in him, shall we say. He was obviously had a draw before. And I think one of his other wins was quite close. But he seems to have improved a lot. Don't forget, he's only a young man as well. Didn't have a gaff in him when he boxed just behind us over there in the garden when he boxed Reese Pilotti oh, a couple of Reece. summers ago. I know. Do you know what? But it just shows you because we thought he was when, done, I yeah. must admit when Reese the Jordan Gill one was slightly different because Jordan just outboxed him that night and boxed to a brilliant game plan. It was a bad style, I think, for for Reese Pilotti that fight. But when he boxed because he boxed at both fight camps, didn't he, Reese? Yep. And when he boxed Ray, and with all due respect, Ray. Did a, did a bit of a job on, on Reese in what, two or three rounds? Was yeah, it was one of them ones where it's sort of around the back of the head. The yeah. sort of ear shot, scrambled scrambler, the old... The scrambler. The old scrambler. Was, was it three rounds? It was early, yeah. I think you might be um, right. You, you must have... I mean, it would have been normal to look at Reese Bellotti and think, where where does this guy go from here? But just a great example of why you can never give up. We just saw on our lunch break, didn't we? Tom yeah. McDonald from the team wandering around Brentwood High Street, as you do, um, and he fancies a crack at the European, so... Yeah, well, why not? I think everything everything is like, yep, I love that, you know... To, to become a two-weight Commonwealth champion, beat Kamari, Fiaz, even Dean Dodge, you know, and then beat Liam Dillon. I mean, it's four great wins back-to-back now. And you're free-rolling, right? Yeah. So good luck to him. Yeah, good luck to Reese. One of the best people in boxing, absolutely no doubt about that. And we are heading to Saudi Arabia. It's your first time? It is. What are you... Uh, you fly, t- fly tomorrow. You got your visa? 
Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> have, you, have you checked it? <laughs> yeah, it looks good. It looks good. Um, I'm really excited, actually. For first time I've been to Saudi, I've watched on, obviously, from afar. Watched the documentary on Netflix yesterday, which I must say has got me even, even more excited to head out there and experience it. For myself, I think from a content perspective, we're also looking at ways we can bring everyone at home a bit closer to the action. So you might have seen the sort of on-the-ground style podcast I've done in, in the past where I sort of channel my inner Martin Brundle. That's always how I intro it. So we're going to be bringing you an episode per day in fight week to really try and immerse you uh, in the action, which I guess is still, it's quite unseen, isn't it, everything that's happening. And I think people can't really get a grasp of it watching from home because I, I don't know what to expect. Going into the unknown. Yeah. But that's often the most exciting. Definitely. When you're going in, when you haven't got a clue. So I'm excited for you, Jamie, but also I'm excited to watch the snooker, which is making yes. its debut out there next week and Rocket Ronnie's on on the Tuesday night. Can't so wait for that. We'll, um, we'll try and get involved in that, eh? Definitely. Hopefully we'll get free tickets. You'd like to think so. If not, you're paying. <laughs> I, bought, I bought you lunch, so. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. You bought me a bagel. And and just obviously, apart from the snooker, we are there for, for the big one. Knockout chaos, I mean, from the promos to the build-up to the face-to-face. It's a good fight because we know what to expect somewhat now from Francis Ngannou. I think when he boxed Fury, a lot of people, just because you tend to see these crossovers, thought it was maybe just a bit of a gimmick. But he proved everyone wrong that night, didn't he, Francis? And and what what a man he is, what a story he has. It's it's not a fight that you can afford at any second to switch off in. I I expect it to be a different fight to the Fury fight. I expect it to be fought at a higher pace. It's still one of them, especially like every fight is important for AJ. But when you look at what is awaiting him and he knows it's awaiting him now and there's no obstacles that are going to await him. It's not like Eddie's just getting in the ring on a, on a matchroom show and going, we're ready for Tyson Fury, which has happened a few times, a good few times over the years. Which is often with with the one where you slip yeah. up because you're, you're looking... You're, you know, but now it's, it's there. Yep. Win this fight, it's there. So yeah, much no, on No the room line. for error. <laughs> there, there is, there yeah. isn't, yeah. I just think under the Ben Davison sort of setup and whatnot, he'll just have him drilled to a T. Yeah. I think Joshua's going to knock him out. So do I. I think because of the pace I think the fight will be fought at yeah look, all respect to Francis Ngannou he's, he's an absolute specimen isn't he and, and like I say what a brilliant story very inspirational human being but I do just believe AJ I think he'll he'll get him out of there late on I think and of course then April 20th Devin Haney we've had we've had the the press conferences for the Ryan Garcia fight great fight for the zone that one's certainly building Nicely, a bit of a nasty, actually, a bit of a nasty build-up. Would you say? Yeah, so far? yeah. Yesterday wasn't the bit prettiest. On the, bit on the edge. It, it wasn't the prettiest. I'll be honest. No. Um, it was quite hard to watch. Obviously, it's, you know, it's a lot going on and a lot of accusations going around. So yeah, it was hard to watch. And mm. ho- you know, hopefully, they can get back on track and just let the fight do the talking rather than everything else that's sort of following it around at the minute. Well, so much to look forward to in the boxing world. I think I'm trying to think like we've been looking at the schedule, haven't we? Which obviously will be revealed. Yeah. I don't know when the days off are going to come, but for <laughs> boxing fans, they are they're in for a serious treat. A serious treat. There is so much to come in 2024. So much to be announced. So much already announced to look forward to on the zone and not just on the zone across the board as well. Boxing's in in a truly great place at the minute. But as for us, we'll see you on the ground in Riyadh. Well, joining us for our charity quiz coach trip this week is the unbeaten Campbell Hatton, who goes for his first professional title, March 23rd, the Central Area, £140 belt from the Sheffield Arena Live, one place to watch all of that, and that is DAZN. Campbell, when you take yourself back to Gibraltar when you made your professional debut to be sitting here now planning for your first professional title fight, how does that feel? Yeah, it's all getting real now. It's crazy looking back, really, Um... Because even though it feels like it's gone done so quickly, it feels like a lifetime ago at the same time. So, um, yeah, just that happy with how my career has gone so far. I think uh, I'm like a completely different fighter now and I've come a long way and now uh, the fights are going to start start getting start getting tougher. And, um, we're in the proper 50-50 fights. Well, we've obviously been with you, Campbell, every step of the way, haven't we? And, and, you know, I think for you, it must be strange, like like you just said there, when you look back at, at everything you've been through, through such a short career already, and you look at them, the nights at Tottenham Hotspur, does it almost feel like a distant world to you now? Yeah, it, it, it does. I think um, that I've come a long way, not just from a boxing point of view, but I think I've come a long way as a man because of them experiences. And actually, it's been an eventful career, career already, uh, even though it's, uh, only been a, 
a couple of years as a professional and uh, it's just get, like it's starting to get exciting now. First title fight coming up. And just under, like you say, a month to go. How's uh, how's the prep been for this one in camp? Have you noticed within yourself because of the fight, your hardest fight so far, your first opportunity to win a belt? Have you had to take things to perhaps a different level? Have you noticed any changes in that front? You know what? I've always I've always like finished my camps knowing that I've trained my absolute hardest and I've put everything into it. But like for this one, I think like with the motivation of Having like having that first title fight, you get a little bit more out of yourself, and just really excited now. I'm getting a lot of confidence from it because, like I say, we always prepare well, but we've took it up a, a couple of levels for this one. I think it's just the motivation and uh, knowing I'm in there with a tough opponent who, like, even though I've been fighting people with winning records and who have not wanted to to roll over, like he's going to come in with a champion mindset and. Uh, now you know, we're in proper fights and when you were talking to the team to your uncle to your dad every, everyone involved the management team Eddie as well why, why did you see now as being the right time to take this step up why was this the right opportunity for you do you think yeah I think we've been, like each fight we've gradually stepped up opponents and uh, the tests have got a little bit tougher and uh, I've been like I've been answering them questions asked of me where like my performances have been getting better and have been improving uh, consistently, and I, I'm not bothered with a fight. Um, I just leave things down down to the team, and they they think this is a really good fight for me. And now, and the time's right to to step things up and get in those proper fights because it has it's got a whole another. Uh, Another intensity to the camp. Well, Jimmy Joe Flint, of course, is the defending champion. You talked there about him having a champion mindset. What do you know about him, Campbell? And what do you think on paper makes this the, the sternest test? He's definitely the best opponent I'll, uh, I will have faced so far. He's boxed at a good level. He's done quite a quite a few ten rounders, so he's um, so you know he's going to be a seasoned professional. He's shown in his fights that he's got a, a lot of heart. He's come up off the canvas and he's. Uh, He's been in tough fights and had to dig deep and get the win. So that's a side that some of my opponents haven't always had. Like say, like last time out, like the, as the fight was getting tough, he just wanted to hold on. And uh, I know that's not going to be the case with this opponent. He's going to come in there and he's, he's going to want to come away with his belt. So uh, definitely, definitely toughest test. But I think it's going to bring the best out of me. I think knowing that jeopardy is there and knowing that I've got to be my best. And do you see, Campbell, just finally, before we go into the, the quiz here, which I know you're going to love, uh, I say that with <laughs> with bait your breath, but do you see in this fight, Campbell, the, like you said there about your last opponent holding, he was quite negative. Do you see the ambition of Jimmy Joe Flint in this fight creating the gaps for you to, to have your success? How do you see yourself winning? Yeah, I think, um, I, think I can get the stoppage, to be honest. I, I think... I've always done it in uh, in the gym. The better the sparring partner, the better I've performed. And I think with uh, with opponents on the night as well, it's been a, it's followed a similar pattern. I think my best performances have been since I've stepped up to like my eight rounders, where I've been getting them stoppages, and the opponents have come and had more of a go. And that wasn't the case with the last one of the year, but. I think he's gonna gonna leave them gaps when they come to win. He's not gonna he's gonna see this as a massive opportunity for him. So you know he's not gonna come in and be negative. He's gonna want to beating me opens a lot of doors for him. So he's gonna come in and he's gonna give it his all. And I think that's gonna work in my favour. Well, March twenty third, the central area super lightweight title up for grabs. It is of course Jimmy Joe Flynn against Campbell Hatton live on the zone. Campbell, we are gonna go to the coach strip quiz now. So there is. A leaderboard, which currently Cameron Vong leads. Cameron got nine out of ten. He got nine out of ten. So Cameron Vong knows Jamie Moore probably too well. <laughs> Incredibly well. But listen, I think this is the first time we've had a family member in. I, I think you're going to be quite good at this. So essentially, I'm going to hand over to producer Scott, who's going to go over the ground rules. But here we go, Campbell Han. Thanks, Jamie. And welcome, Campbell, to Coach Trip, which is essentially to find out how well you know your Uncle Matthew. There's 10 questions here, A, B or C, multiple choice. And we're going to start with question one, if you're ready, mate. Ready to go. Here we go. Question one. Who is Matthew's favourite fighter of all time? Is it A, Sugar Ray Leonard, B, Mike Tyson or C, Roberto Duran? 
Sugar Ray Leonard. One from one, straight in, spot on. Question number two. What's Matthew's favourite fight of all time? Is it A, Hagler vs. Hearns, B, Morales versus Barrera, or C, Macklin versus Moore? Um, I'm going to go with Macklin and Moore. Correct. Two from two. How, how did you know that, Campbell, that one? I thought it was just a guess that I weren't too sure. But, uh, <laughs> but it, was a bit more, it was a bit more of a random one than the other one. That's true, that's true. Question number three. This is where things maybe start to take a bit of a, a left-field turn here. Here we go. Excluding boxing, who is Matthew's sporting hero? Is it A, Eric Cantona, B, Brian Robson, or C, Pete Schmeichel? So all United players there, mate. Sorry about that. Um, Brian Robson. Oh, you got it right. Three from three. Cameron Vong, watch out. Does Matthew have pictures of Brian Robson up in his living room? Yeah, he's got one on his ceiling, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Question number four. What's Matthew's favourite song? Is it A, Oasis, Roll With It, B, Rod Stewart, Maggie May, or C, ACDC, Highway to Hell? Maggie May. Easy. Is that, easy. Is that the, be honest. Easy. Is karaoke that, tune, that. Is it? Is he always doing that karaoke? Yeah, yeah. Is he any good? Nope. Terrible. <laughs> Campbell, what would your karaoke song be? Oh, I've got a few, me. I've got to do uh, Suspicious Minds. True. I do Bad Bad Leroy Brown and I do Rick Astley, Never Gonna Give You Up. <laughs> Love that. I'm you up for all night. You'll have, to, you'll have to do one in the ring. Maybe a bit of Rick Astley when, when you win this Century yeah, title. <laughs> yeah. Question number five. What's Matthew's favourite holiday destination? Is it A, Tenerife, B, Dubai or C, Florida? Tenerife. I think I think Cameron Vong's in for a bit of trouble here. This, I think, this I is think five out of five. Wait, Campbell, Matthew's not sat over the corner of the room from you, is he giving you the thumbs nah, up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Question number six. What's Matthew's favourite takeaway? Is it A Chinese, B kebab, or C Indian? Chinese. Is that your final answer? Yeah. Oh, I think Oh Campbell, Indian. no. First hurdle. No. Campbell. He said Indian. Indian, he said. Oh, you're joking. No. Uh-huh. But you can still, don't worry, you can still tie. You can still, you still tie. Can tie here. You can still tie. So everything's important now, Campbell. No, no room for error yeah. here, mate. Here we go. Question number seven. Where does Matthew do his food shopping? Is it A, Audi? Is it B, I don't do food shopping? Or is it C, Sainsbury's? He don't do any food shopping. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> oh. uh, who does his food shopping? Oh, got to be Jenna, that 100%. <laughs> He's not been near the shop. <laughs> three questions to go. You need all three to, to tie with Cameron Vong. Here we go. Question number eight. What's Matthew's shoe size? Is it A, 8, B, 10, or C, 9? So, 8, 9, I'm going to go, gonna go 9. Is that a bit of a guess? Yes. Oh, you got it right. right. It'd be weird if I knew that. (laughs) (laughs) Got it right. That is a good point. Two to go. Question number nine. When is Matthew's birthday? Is it May the 15th, May the 16th, or May the 17th? Uh, May the 16th. I'm going to go. That's another guess, that. Oh, you got it wrong. Oh, Oh, Of all the ones. Of all the ones to get wrong, mate. I thought that was printed May the 15th mate you better put that in your calendar for next year or for this year I know yeah oh, what, what do you normally do when, when you know it's his birthday just send the card a week early and hope it arrives when it does <laughs> I avoid him for the day and then I say oh I couldn't get round to giving it you and I just keep an eye on keep an eye on Facebook oh mate well Campbell although although you're not going to be going top of the league I think you can go into top three which means you'll still be in line for a charity payout but it means you do have to get this answer Correct. Are you ready? Right, I'm ready. Question number 10. What's Matthew's pet hate of you? Is it A, that you're late to the gym? Is it B, that you're late to text back? Or is it C, you put on too much weight in between fights? Oh, easy that. It's the weight. (laughs) (laughs) Eight out of 10, Gamble Hatton. I think you're in second place, actually. So, well done. Yeah, that was great. Why do you think it's the weight thing? Because I'm a greedy little shit. (laughs) 
Uh, do you know what, mate? Every time, every time I've spoke to you on this podcast, I always end up having fun. You're, oh, always, mate. Always. Yeah, you are a character. I'm looking forward to catching up, Campbell. And it is, uh, it's an exciting opportunity this for you, isn't it? First professional title. And I think I always speak to fighters when they win that first belt. It just helps in giving them that little bit of mental confidence they need that they know they're supposed to be in this game and on this platform and in this scene. Is that sort of how you're feeling heading into this? Yeah, just in every aspect, we took, took things to another level and I think it is just down to the motivation and the excitement of the first title. I, um, like, especially like the central area, it, it's a big one for the whole family as well because it's the first titles that... Um, both my dad and Matthew won that was like their first title, so the third in the family to win that. And obviously going down the traditional route of things, it's uh, it's exciting and so it just can't come quick enough. Great stuff. Well, Campbell, well played. Avoid your uncle Matthew on his birthday. Hopefully he won't listen to this and he won't know that you don't know it. But we look oh, forward to no. uh, we look forward to catching up with you in Sheffield, top man. Yep, see you soon, mate. Cheers, see you soon, mate. Take care. Well, as, of course, it is St. David's Day this week, we wanted to get someone Welsh on the show. I phoned Joe Cordina, but sadly he didn't answer. I phoned Enzo Mack. He was out walking the dogs. I phoned Gavin Reese. Sadly, he couldn't do it. I phoned Joe Calzaghi. He was also out. Scott, who did you phone? Steve Robinson. Steve Robinson. He couldn't do it? Nope. No, Hang on, I'm listening to all this. I thought I was too sick. Hang on, and, li- and finally, Lee Selby, um, he didn't answer either. Just went straight to voicemail. So, the only other person I had left to get on. <laughs> no, I'm oh, joking, joking. You're going to release the receipts. You're going to release the WhatsApps. <laughs> you were first pick, really, Brandon. You were first pick. How are you, mate? I'm not bad. I'm sitting here. And I'm not bored because I'm with Jamie Ward in interview mode. <laughs> was that off the cuff? Eminem. You, de- you, you definitely. Like an hour off that. You rehearsed that, didn't you? Oh, that was, that was so rehearsed. I, I was sitting there. I've had that in my pocket for like three weeks. I just wanted to use it. <laughs> well, Brandon, it's great to have you on. Brandon Scott, ladies and gentlemen, up and coming prospect from deep in the heart of Wales. Of course, Brandon, we saw you up at the press up a few weeks ago. How delighted are you to have a date back in the diary after, I guess, what's been a bit of a period of frustration for you? No, frustration is one way to put it, man. I mean, it's a, it, you don't realise how much you love boxing. When I first had the off, I thought, oh, it's a bit of a chance for me to have a bit of a break. But, oh, my God, a weekend, I didn't know what to do with myself. It's just, do you know that song when it goes, um, only know you love her when you let her go? Yeah, all pas- that, that passenger, thing. yeah. It's like... Yeah, it's like I was boxing. It's like, oh, at least I can have a bit of a break. For a week into the break, you just, you feel lost. You don't know what to do with yourself. So I got a date now, April 13th. And I told I told Ed after the press conference, I said, you laugh at me, I said, but I'm coming to steal this entire show. I'm coming to steal this entire show. Well, let's just talk about what did keep you out. Obviously, you had a hand injury didn't you? And you talked in, in a few interviews as well last week that did they take some out of your hip? I know that's quite a common injury, a bit of bone from your hip and put it in your hand. Do you want to break down for us what exactly happened? Yeah, they basically, they gave me a Terminator hand by the sound of things because they took bone from my right hip then they took bone, the, uh, the bad bones out of my right hand and then put the hip bone in my hand and then fused it all together with metal. The, the surgeon was telling me what he did but I think it made more sense to me what he was saying if he said it in French <laughs> I was just, he was like oh yeah this 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 and I was like yeah look mate cool is it going to work and yeah. has it worked has it worked yes because working pretty well I had to be pretty strong you, do you feel like uh, you made me laugh Brandon honestly do you feel like you have two hands again was it, was it a problem for you in, in your last couple of fights it was a massive problem for me in my fights I couldn't even warm up in the changing rooms because properly because of my hands I, on the pads, I was being so careful with my right hand. There was one fight, the one before the Cordina card, couldn't even warm up with my hand. I couldn't even warm up. My hand was that bad. It was, obviously, I, I put pictures and everything up of what my hand looked like. After the Joshua fight, you should have seen my hand. It looked like, a, it smelled like a balloon. It was, it, it was insane. And the physio told me, he said, look, he goes, um, he goes, you haven't actually had a fight with this hand, have you? I just looked at him and I said, I've had four. <laughs> and the look he gave me said enough. It, it was like, uh, it was like you're, you're, jo- you're joking, aren't you? And I was like, no, I've, I've had four fights. And he, he doesn't know how I've done it, but I've done it. And now I can finally show everyone what I can do with two hands. So to be fighting in Manchester, back on the zone as well, what's in your mindset heading into this year? Like you say, you've got two hands, you've got your Terminator hand. 
back now. But what's in your mind, Brandon, over the next sort of 12 months or so? Make a lot of money, buy a lot of nerd shit. What the, where does this nerd stuff come from? Is that an act or, or is that what, what, what are you like behind the scenes? Jamie, if we were on FaceTime right now, we're in my room. I'm, I'm just surrounded by toys. Not toys. <laughs> I shouldn't call them toys. Collectible figures. I collect pretty much anything I can get my hands on. I collect hot toys of the Predator franchise. I love The Flash. I love Joe's. It's the best film I ever made. If you don't agree with me, then you're wrong. I've got a 350-pound lightsaber that I bought, a replica. I've got Jon Snow's sword from Game of Thrones. I, I, always, I always remember being in Arizona at the end of last year. <laughs> we're in the middle of nowhere. We're counting down <laughs> towards Sonny Edwards versus Bam Rodriguez. I was jet-lagged. And I remember just hearing this Welsh accent at the reception desk. And I was thinking... <laughs> Who is, I recognise that voice. And I just turned around and there was stood Mr. Brandon Scott in the middle of a hotel in Arizona. You can't escape me, Jamie. You can't escape me. Do you remember in the matchroom open workout when everyone was doing their open workouts in the pads and you said to me, so what are you going to do? Maybe some pads, a bit of a light move around? And I just said to you, I'm going to flip over the rope, stress the Spider-Man, do a backflip and start breakdancing. Do you remember? How could I forget? And you went, yeah, good one, mate. And I just went, no, I mean, and you went, well, you've been serious. I showed you the costume. I was, that was the I was like, me and you becoming best friends, Jimmy. That was it. And I remember just saying, I'm here for it. Go on, son. Crack on. Yeah, you said I'm all you for. I remember like it was yesterday. You actually, you told that story on the George Groves podcast, didn't you? I did. And I gave you a big shout out because that's my first ever memory with Metro. Well, there you go. Well, I'm, I'm honoured, Brandon. I'm absolutely honoured. Hey, listen, I-, I could sit here and talk to you all day, I think. I think you should probably get your own podcast because I think you'd rake in millions of views and you could buy all the lightsabers you wanted on the back of that revenue. But we are going to talk a little bit about the best things to happen in boxing over the last week or so. Now, I know, Brandon, you are a big boxing fan, so I'm going to hand over to producer Scott, who's also with me, who's got some shouts for us to discuss. Are you ready? Scott, Scott Hammertime. Scott Hammertime is in the building. Hello, Scott. How are you doing, handsome? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm intrigued about this lightsaber. That's Talk the, to me about the lightsaber. That's the first what? time he's ever been called handsome. <laughs> yeah. What colour is your lightsaber? Ah, oh, well, see, because it's a replica. I spent so much money on it. It can be any colour it wants to be. Wow. I've got a... Uh, it's Darth Vader's, obviously. It's Darth Vader's lightsaber. It can change colours. But I was going to walk out with it on the Joshua undercard in the O2. But I was playing with it because I'm riddled with ADHD. I was playing with it before the fight. And everyone's like, stop it. You'll, it'll run out of charge. And I was like, oh, shut up. <laughs> and then... I had my Darth Vader helmet on, and as I went to turn the lightsaber on, it went, battery dead, oh. powering down. I went, no! Oh. No! So you couldn't walk out with it, or did you walk out with it? No, I, I couldn't walk out with it, because if you watch the behind-the-scenes footage of the card, you can see me walking out with a van with a lightsaber. I'm turning it on and off and playing with it. <laughs> Next time. Well, the, the lesson there, Brandon, is always take a spare battery mate always charge your lights always charge your lightsaber before you fight the O2 (laughs) I wonder if always charge your lightsaber before you fight the O2 is the first time that sentence has ever been spoken on this earth to be honest I think the fact I walked out with Darth Vader helmet was the first thing that ever happened the fact we're saying this that just guarantees it (laughs) right let's um, let's get into the best things happened in boxing last week like Jamie says we've got three shouts here the first one is from Joseph Braid, who says the Taylor Catchell press conference last week was absolute carnage. Did you watch? Oh, um, I love- did you watch the presses? Obviously, you were in town just before in Manchester. We had the presser for, for the Gil Barrett show. That of course, you were a big part of before the second leg yeah. in Manchester, Brandon. But what a great fight this is for for the zone for boxing. We love the back and forth, don't we? I remember watching the first fight, and I thought Jack Catchell won that so easy. What I love about this fight is you can tell they genuinely don't like each other. There's nothing fake about it. It's like they're, they're two people that they just they just want to fight. They just want to punch each other in the face. And when they... i got to be honest, I felt Jack Cattrall mugged Josh Taylor off a little bit. Even when Josh Taylor just said to Cattrall, um, you couldn't knock out no one. And he just said, we've had the same amount of knockouts. And then he said, I got, he said uh, Josh Taylor said to Cattrall, you've got no power. And Jack Cattrall just said, well, I dropped you. It just seemed that for me... Jack Cattrall's got the edge here because Josh Taylor can say where he wants. He didn't win that first fight. He didn't win that fight. And I like Josh Taylor, but even Josh Taylor will know he didn't win that first fight. So this fight, I can't wait for it. And the fact that they hate each other so much, the build-up says says enough. Everyone's going to be watching that fight. I'm going to be watching that fight. I was going to buy tickets. We sold out within like an hour. Look, I think 
it's safe to say that everyone in the UK is looking forward to this fight. The next shout this week is from Chica, who says Andy Cruz doing Andy Cruz things last Saturday. Well, Brandon, have you seen Andy. have you seen the Olympic gold medalist turn pro? Of course, Andy Cruz. I mean, he is. It's safe to say he's turning a lot of heads, isn't he? Andy Cruz. Andy Cruz is a dream come true for any promoter. He beat Keyshawn Davis in the amateurs. Um, he beat Keyshawn Davis. He won the Olympic gold. He's a promoter's wet dream, Andy Cruz is. <laughs> so I, I'm, say, I'm saying it as it is. I'm just saying what you're thinking. It's just how easy he makes everything look. In his first fight, he just completely outclassed the guy. The second fight, he stopped the guy in the third round. That's a tough Mexican. And then in his last fight, he, I don't think he dropped a round, did he? No, he was so good in that last fight. So good he, against he just, a good fighter as well in Zamaripa. Yeah, that's the thing. Is you have to appreciate the, the caliber of people he's fighting as well. He's just he, You know a boxer's amazing when he makes a fight that's supposed to be tough, look easy, and he hasn't looked like he's had any sort of trouble yet. So he's phenomenal. And the last shot this week is from Joel Alturn, who says, Joel. it's a bit of a left field one, this, but I quite like it. So Joel says the best thing to happen in boxing last week was Gennady Golovkin being appointed in his new role to help oversee the Kazakhstan Olympic Committee. Well, what a legend, first of all. Do you think it's time, when, when you look at what Triple G has done for the sport, Brandon, I think he's approaching maybe 42, 43 years old now. Do you think it's the right time for him to, to hang up? The gloves, what are your thoughts on, on the main man, Triple G? I think it's easy for me to say I think he should retire. I love Gennady Golovkin. I've got a fine glove of him in my gym. He was one of my heroes. Um, I think it's, 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 it's hard to say because you see it a lot. Boxers retire and they end up coming back because they never know when to let it go. And I'll be honest, I used to think, I can see why Jones is still trying to fight now. And it's just like, it's almost, you can see it's sad because they struggle to let it go. But I can... I can see why now, because I had a very small taste on it after my operation. When, you know, you're in the limelight and everyone wants to, I don't want to say you're popular, but everyone wants to know you, you you feel good. Then all of a sudden, you feel irrelevant. So who knows, he he could go through the same thing. Maybe he will retire and you think, I want to come back for a fight and he'll come back and stay too late. I I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and tell Gennady Golovkin what to do. You know what I mean? That's stupid, (laughs) but... Brandon, final question. This has been a pleasure, by the way. I'm so glad I uh, I got you on. I'm so glad all them other blokes didn't answer the phone, by the way, as well. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, just a final one. As we head into to, towards fight week, can we expect some fun and games as normal? What can we expect from Brandon Scott up Manchester did you, way? Did you hear that voice noise I sent you earlier? I did. I did, but I wasn't quite sure where, where it was going to be. I don't think I can play it on here, can I? No, <laughs> no you can no, no, no one can know. No one can know. All I'm going to say, I train very hard. I train extremely hard. My knuckles are literally bruised and cut right now. I push my body to places, ridiculous places every day. I train very hard and very focused on my fight. Gimmicks and antics on fight week, it's a given. That's all I'm going to say. I've got some. Uh, I've got some pretty crazy shit planned for this fight week, but I always will. I always mm. do and I always will. Never going to change. I love it. I can't wait. I look forward to seeing you all fight week. Brandon, thanks for your time today, mate. Jamie Scott, thank you very much. Cheers, boys. Cheers, mate. Well, that's it for today's show. Thanks very much to our guests, Kaylee Reese, Campbell Hatton, Brandon Scott, and of course, Jordan Gill. Before we go, don't forget to give us a follow or subscribe across all your preferred podcast platforms. We'll see you in Saudi Arabia next week. Knockout Chaos is heading Riyadh way. Before then, let's go Ray Ford. Mm-hmm.